Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 2, Episode 18, Partners. was March 2nd, 1987. It was directed by Cliff Bowl, and it was written by Bill Froelich and Mark Lisson. Um, why don't we discuss the episode of Brief? Uh, oh my gosh, I am so ready for this episode. <laughs> uh, long time coming. In this episode of MacGyver, uh, MacGyver and Pete are captured by an international terrorist out for revenge who they thought was dead. They finally... It's the official introduction of MacGyver's nemesis. Yeah, it, we've we've had you know we've had like characters come back, but this is like the first villain. Right. This is the real villain of MacGyver, his foil. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just so great because we're kind of getting two encounters with the this villain, so that right. we're we're building him right off the bat as a recurring character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because basically, this is this episode was going to jump between the present day of the episode and seven years ago, and so yeah, the, the two encounters kind of like are one more than other shows like Murdoch's like a uh, uh, planning and scheming and resiliency. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's it's very exciting times when MacGyver and Murdoch go at it. Yeah. Um. And he's kind of a, a repurposing of a lot of the characteristics they built into uh, La Piedra character. Oh, absolutely! Like uh, the the disguises and the 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 just, ingenuity mm-hmm. and yeah. Always has an escape plan. But he's got a little bit more ego involved than yeah. Delongus's character. Yeah. He's he's very proud of his work and and he has this very set pattern of of uh, how he does things. He takes photos. But yeah, so going a little bit further in depth, mm-hmm. um, we start with MacGyver uh, driving along talking about that he basically got uh, a series of clues from Pete. Right. Leading him to this junkyard with a bar magnifier. And uh, and he says, oh, it's so like Pete to do crazy stuff like this. And I was like, that, this is not like Pete yeah, at all. Yeah, this is not... I, I would have been immediately suspicious. Yeah, I would have called him and been like, are you sure... That we're going to do this? Because this seems very weird. Mm-hmm. But MacGyver does it. Uh, he finds a bar magnifier, and he's talking about how it's a, uh, a lazy Saturday morning. Right. And uh, as, as he drives into the wrecking yard and looking for, you know, he, 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 I don't know how he finds Pete, because it's a big yard. Um, and he just kind of parks his Jeep and starts walking around and yelling for him. He looks for the car with legs sticking out of the driver's <laughs> side window. There he is. Uh, you know, and... And he and Pete have this kind of like misunderstanding banter back and forth about it's like you know you know how hard it was to find this it's like well why would I why would I need that bar magnifier why am I here looking for this yeah and he's digging around underneath the dash of this this abandoned taxi cab yeah and uh, he eventually finds a, a newspaper that's just been stuffed underneath the the steering wheel mm-hmm. apparently I- I'm assuming that his note said to look under the steering wheel or right. glove, glove box for a parcel yeah and so he pulls it down and he's like oh what's this and and then they they sort of realize at this point that neither one of them has invited the other person there yeah that, that this could be a third party that's fooling with them and they immediately suspect Jack Dalton mm-hmm. as anyone would because uh, it is because it, it is the seven year anniversary of them all 
not not Mac and Jack meeting for the first time, but right. but Pete coming into the mix of the of the friendship. Right. Yeah. And uh, so they start looking at the newspaper with the bar magnifier, which is you know, they're just kind of like going line. It by looks line. like it's just the obituary section. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just an obituary section. They're coming across, and that's when they come across an in memoriam for uh, three friends taken before their time. Yeah. And uh, and you were pointing out that it's it's still strange that they just don't put yeah MacGyver's that it name. says Jack Dalton, Pete Thornton, and MacGyver, which <laughs> I think at this point indicates that they had a very clear motive in mind that they were not going to reveal his first name right they were going to save it for a very special episode somewhere in their last season i mean i'm sure that they must have had it but none of the real situations that have, have been coming up have required him to give i think it, a first. it feels a little weird sometimes when yeah. when he says just the last name and it doesn't go any further than that no one ever asks him like oh what's your first name and then mm-hmm. he has like some coy like non-response it's it's never explicitly brought up but this is the first time where it was like this is a glaring absence the yeah. fact that it just says macgyver here and it had everyone else's full names but we do also know from press clippings from when the show was originally started that in the pilot at least his name was stacy at one point mm. which i guess they ended up cutting around in the whole re-edit of that episode. Yeah, it never it never came up in conversation. Yeah, and so then they decided, well, you know what, since we didn't actually say a name in that episode, we can hold off and change it to whatever we want. So, yeah. And it'll come back. What I, what I like, uh, another show that did something similar was Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, okay. Uh, Malcolm in the Middle, they never revealed the family's last name. Oh, interesting. I never like, noticed that. Yeah, they, they, you know, they always refer to each other, and people who come to see them always refer to them by their their names yeah yeah they never say what their last name is and in the last episode when uh, uh malcolm's graduating from high school they're they're announcing all the names and when they announce malcolm's name the mic gets feedback oh like, nice. just before he says the last name <laughs> so i guess in the script it could just say malcolm x yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as pete and mac read this obituary line that includes them a forklift just smashes down the roof of this cab, which they both have climbed into. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just pushing and crunching them down. I don't know what, you know, you know. Spoiler alert that this is Murdoch, but yeah, um, I don't like. What if MacGyver had ever got in the cab? I'm sure he watched them both get in it. Yeah, but like, but I'm wondering what his backup plan. Like, if Mac just like, oh, could because just like because he in. didn't wait for Dalton to show up. What if he right. hadn't waited for MacGyver even? Yeah, like a uh, like. At some point, you have to cut your losses and take what you can get. Yeah, because you can always get. I guess checked. he he saw that they had they had uncovered the fact that neither one of them invited the other person there. Yeah, he was already paranoid about them taking off. Uh, and so yeah, so he smashes down the roof with a forklift, and then just starts nudging and carrying the car across this wrecking yard with them stuck inside. Uh, the doors the doors most likely are welded shut. Yeah. Like he, he What if MacGyver had never even gotten in? Like he just he showed up but he was just standing outside with the that, permit. That's what I was saying. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like like he the Pete tells him to get in because I can't hear you while upside down yeah, here yeah. in this cab. But then once he pulls the paper out it's like they could have both gotten out right away. Yeah. Um but uh, but for the sake of plot, they both got in. Yeah. And uh yeah, Murdoch loads the cab into a semi truck trailer. Right. And then closes the doors, and and they're taking they're taking careful attention to not show his identity. Yeah, but, they keep blocking his face with things. But but we as the audience don't know who this man is. Right. So there's no big reveal. We we don't know who it is. We just it's important. It's more important for MacGyver and Pete to see who it is. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a weird choice, like because it makes you think that we're supposed to know who this is. 
Um, yeah. Because it could be anybody that MacGyver has wronged in his <laughs> in his life. Or maybe that was the point, is that they, they want us to start suspecting people right away. Like, mm. oh, you know what, this is a Piedra, or this is Jack Dalton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somehow it, way thinner than he was a second ago. <laughs> Jack has finally snapped. <laughs> um, and uh, so they're loaded up into this truck trailer that then now the truck is driving out of the wrecking yard. Right. And uh, Pete and Mac uh, kind of lay on their backs and use their feet to lift the roof back up. They raise the they roof. raise the roof. <laughs> Um, right. It. Um, it's and it's really them climbing out of this like heaped up cab. And, like I was worried about like that metal sharp and yeah, it's kinda, like, like when you crawl. crush a can and there's like razor sharp edges. Yeah, on exactly. It. Yeah. it was like ugh. Um, and and you have you had, you speculated that they're just in some kind of room. That's what it looks like, just based on it. You know, like typical warehouse scene in a movie. There's going to be like walls that are the bottom half is painted green and the top half is is gray you mm-hmm. know like Goldeneye had a lot of that like in the game but also in the movie right right and it's usually a russian facility that has that where the bottom half is green and the top half mm-hmm. is gray but it looks like that's the paint job on the back wall of this place and there's also a pipe running up the wall to like a light yeah it just looks like it's hardwired to like a a regular mm-hmm. charge it doesn't look like it's just wiring inside the truck because there is shaking but what we said, but it we, looks like it's limited to the camera shaking. Yeah, not they, they don't they don't appear to be like losing their balance or having or any any issues. Yeah, and they kind of get a look around in this trailer, and they see you know the doors are locked, but there's also a speaker and some kind of a LCD uh, or LED light panel right up on the wall that's blank right now. Yeah, and uh, they're they're still trying to piece together what happened. Or who's got them. And that's when MacGyver suspects that it might be Murdoch. Yeah, he says, you know what happened seven years ago today? And then Pete says, yeah, that's when we first met. And then he says, yeah, chasing Murdoch. And then Pete's like, what? Murdoch is dead. He's been dead for so long. He's a dead guy. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that's yeah. when Murdoch comes in. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, he's really, he, he just loves to talk, Murdoch. Yeah, and he's he's a lot like Quail that way, especially the fact that he's talking over the radio right now. Right, right, right. Yeah, so Murdoch announces that he's the one who's captured them. He's and, kind of a mix of Quail and Piedra, oh, yeah, now that I think about and Piedra. it. So yeah, Murdoch uh, is basically saying that he wants he wants them to be feel reunited and uh, enjoy their time together before he, he kills them. Yeah. And uh, leaving kind of Mac and Pete to sweat it out in this in this trailer. Yeah, and I think the only reason that this was, this is a seven-year gap that they're alluding to is because they wanted it to seem like MacGyver and Pete have at least known each other for a while, but this plan could not possibly have taken seven years to no. come up with. And he hasn't killed anyone in the last seven years to incriminate himself? Well, I, I'm imagining he has been doing, well, one, I imagine he probably took like a year or two off to physically took recover. A sabbatical. Like, I, I'm imagining... Maybe he just woke up from a coma. Yeah, like, I, there's any number of things that can happen, but I like to think that he was so critically injured that he's been in, like, physical therapy learning to walk Sure, and yeah, again. yeah, that's possible. Um, but also that he's probably been killing under an alias, or, yeah. uh, or he, he, he probably has enough money tucked away, too, that he doesn't need to work. Right. What if he is Piedra? And that was, an, that was another costume. Oh. Ah. Piedra's dead. He got poisoned. Yeah. By a dart. So then we, uh... We sort of. This is the first of many flashbacks for this episode. Yeah. To, the, the day that MacGyver and Pete met, 
where uh, MacGyver basically introduces the flashback by saying, I was just trying to keep Jack Dalton's uh, business running. Yeah. Uh, and he's behind the wheel of, of Jack Dalton's taxi cab. Uh, we don't, at this point, know where Jack Dalton is, but for whatever reason, MacGyver is driving, and uh, a woman uh, hails the cab for a ride and gets in, and she's, like you said, dressed in... A, off-color uh, Carmen Sandiego. Yeah, yeah. The, the big the big brimmed hat, trench yeah. coat, but it's all black instead of and all And big red. sunglasses and just kind of keeping her face away. Mm-hmm. But, um, but very clearly a woman's voice. Yes. Like, this, this it's, it's not a guise of a man doing a woman's voice. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely an actual actress doing the voice. And I can't tell if it's being played by a woman here or yeah. not. Yeah. It's, oh. it's, it's, because they, they purposely conceal... Everything about it. Right. There, there is a woman credited for the role named Iris Klein, um, but it's not clear if she's just a voice actress for this part or if mm-hmm. she's actually playing this character. Yeah. Um, but he takes, uh, he takes Sarah, the name that she mm-hmm. gives him, across town to some warehouse, and when he parks to let her out, um, she pays and she tips him, and uh, then he notices immediately after she enters the building that a guy with a gun goes in. Yeah. And so he get, starts freaking out. Yeah, he's like, uh, he may, you can see him struggling with the decision to help or to call for help. Right, yeah. Um, but, because uh, I don't think he would have just left. Right. He's like, oh, I'm sure this will sort it out. Um, That's none of my business. Uh, so, yeah, he, go, he goes in to try to figure out what's going on, at least. And uh, we're in this kind of warehouse full of stacked boxes and stacked paper barrels and stuff. You were saying very reminiscent of... Our, the, our last week's episode, the, yeah, yeah, Jack of Spies, the 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 building with all the uh, Remington bronzes that they're <laughs> selling to Just the fi- the Chinese businessmen, filled with Remington bronzes. Yeah, um, and uh, and the office kind of looks the same. It's it, but it's also your kind of standard office, like with a glass door with two small thin glass window wall dividers. Like yeah. it's, it's not actually an office that's separate. It's just, just built into the warehouse. Yeah, it almost kind of looks. Uh, it just reminded me of the office from um, Nightmares, too, where okay. he sets up that giant barrel trap outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's like another one of those things where it's like a glass door sectioned off on the outside of the yeah, building. Like a, yeah, it's just like a prefab wall office. It could be just some building downtown that they reuse over and over and over again for that type of thing. So uh, we quickly see that the gunman who goes in is Pete in a toupee. Right. In a fantastically... Although it, it appears to be still somewhat balding version of his hair. Yeah. It To make it believable. Yeah, exactly. Like, it looks like he's just losing his hair. Um, but I guess I kind of ruined the joke that it was a toupee. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so I forgive you. I have actually seen this episode. <laughs> and uh, so he takes aim. And I'm kind of curious if Pete's going to just shoot Just him. shoot Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but MacGyver yells, like, Sarah, look out. And uh, Sarah and whoever her contact is uh, just kind of dive out of the way. And she hucks these two, two enormous boxes yeah, right Yeah, she just them. crazy. Like, it, it's clear that this person has physical strength. Yeah. Because the, even even a wood box that has nothing in it, it's got some weight to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but these are all balsa props, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Full of Remington bronzes. <laughs> full of full-size, real-weight Remington bronzes. Uh, and decoders. All of them have decoders. <laughs> That's all they make. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, they, she gets away, and uh, MacGyver and Pete kind of scuffle, and Pete's just like, 
I don't know what you're doing, but you better stay out of my way. And he's brandishing the gun at MacGyver, and MacGyver's just kind of going, okay, 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 you know. Um, and uh, so Pete chases after Sarah, who now steals Pete's car. Right. Yeah, so she makes off with his car, and she's pretty far away. I th- I don't think Pete would have been able to get a good shot off yeah, anyway. Yeah, but he takes aim at least. Mm-hmm. And again, MacGyver thinks, this crazy person is trying to shoot this woman I just gave a ride to. And he dives like seven feet through the air to yeah. tackle him to the ground. It's an awesome dive. And it looks like it's actually Richard Dean Anderson. Yeah, I couldn't tell. I don't think it was Dana Elkar. No, I don't think so. But, uh, but it was an awesome jump. And then, uh, so now Pete's like super frustrated with this guy. You are pushing it, kid! And uh, I don't know how he knew that MacGyver was the cab driver unless they, he was following them. He must have been following them. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Um, and so he forces Mac to, to take the cab, which to me is always the most dangerous thing. When you when you force someone to drive under Yeah, duress, just commandeer it and you drive the vehicle. Yeah, because uh, I always like to think of myself in this scenario where someone's got like a weapon on me while I'm driving. I'm just going to like floor it and crash it into something. Yeah. Um, because what are they going to do? Yeah, uh, and at this point he still doesn't know that Pete has any official capacity. Correct. Like, he doesn't know that he's an officer. Um, so, uh, yeah, so they take off after her, and, uh, you know, they're kind of following, and that's when Pete starts to kind of go through who he is a little bit. Or actually, I, I guess I, I guess we kind of go back after the commercial part. We come back to the trailer. Yeah. Uh, so they're kind of, like, rummaging around through the car. That's pretty much all we get before it comes right back out to the, uh, uh, to the flashback. Yeah. Pete and Mac are still obviously following uh, Murdoch in the cab. Right. <laughs> Pete tells Mac to try to like follow as discreetly as possible because the cab is obviously very noticeable as someone following you because it's like it, first of all because it's an older looking cab. It's like a cab from like the the sixties or fifties. Yeah. Um, doesn't look like a modern day cab. So uh, Pete's afraid that it, like it's going to give them away if they follow too closely. Yeah. And and uh, the cab by the way says "Fly by Night" on the side of it, mm-hmm. which we recall was the the name of Jack Dalton's flying delivery service. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make as much sense on a, on a taxi cab. It doesn't make any sense on a taxi cab. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why they would even call it that. And especially since last week we had Jack be quick messenger service, I feel like they could have, you know, thrown another dumb little pun on a phrase, mm-hmm. like all's fair or something like that for the taxi cab. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they... Uh, they're still in pursuit of the car, and they basically just follow it off on some dirt road mm-hmm. out into the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And then, I mean, this is like the dumbest leading into a trap ever. Yeah. But they, they pull up, and suddenly there's a van blocking the road, and then two guys open the doors, and they just have what they're referring to as bazookas. Yeah. And they point them at the cab. Yeah. They're, they're, they're I, 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 I always say law, but it's like LAW. They're, they're, they're rocket launchers. Yeah. They're, they're small, portable, like extendable tube rocket launchers yeah um still very dangerous yeah. <laughs> i mean like i'm not not to say that they're that they're more or less dangerous than a bazooka but a bazooka is much bigger yeah and in the 80s i think it was just like hey let's call things bazookas that's yeah. fun that was a big word in the 80s and a delicious gum mm-hmm. with boring comics <laughs> terrible terrible comics family circus quality garbage <laughs> We were, we were offending a lot of uh, wholesome people out there today. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so they're kind of stuck now sitting in front of this cab as 
Murdoch dressed as Sarah comes in just and does like the the reveal of like hat and wig off in a Mary oh. Tyler Moore kind of sense. Yeah, look uh, at this. I'm not uh, I'm not the lady you thought I was. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's from my guy result. Murdoch is a man. <laughs> yeah, and then Pete says that he it was a need to know basis, so he hadn't been correcting him this whole time. Yeah, but I guess you need to know now. Uh, Murdoch is a world class assassin, half rattlesnake, half chameleon, and uh, which. It's pretty much the same mo as as Pietro. Pietro I guess. Yeah, it's it's. I really think that they're probably just upset that they killed off Pietro. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, what if we invent a new character that's exactly like Pietro in every way? Well, not every way though, because he does have that quail ego, which is great. I love the guy that's just monologues and is really excited about all of his plans and mm-hmm. can't wait to involve MacGyver in them. Yeah, because uh, MacGyver starts working on his plan to get out of the cab and just tells Pete to keep. To keep humoring uh, yeah. Murdoch, and it's it's a really drawn out conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about like like Pete talks about like Lisbon that they almost he almost had him in Lisbon, and almost doesn't count. Yeah, and they just he's and it's, it's it's again it's like the circular dialogue that we talk about that that yeah. occurs often in between MacGyverisms to kill time in this life. We ha- it's just a game. Yeah. Maybe to you it's a game. To me this is serious well man that's always been your problem i'm sure it is peter i'm yeah, sure it, it is it's just it's just total nonsense and i almost wonder if it's even scripted yeah uh, it, it just seems like just but just, then it's also interspersed with anytime uh murdoch is talking somehow he can't tell that pete's not listening and it's just talking to macgyver like yeah. I see what you're doing. You're looping your shoelace around the gas pedal and then running it through a paper clip with a monkey wrench mm-hmm. under the brake pedal and then tying the other end of the rope to the door so that you're replacing the down on the gas with the opening of the door. And it's like, we could have just been watching this. He didn't need to say any of that. I would love, like, like he goes through that whole conversation and Murdoch's just standing in the window. It's like, were you even listening? I was talking this whole time. Well, he does have a line that's kind of like that. He's like, oh, am I boring you, Peter? No, no, I'm riveted or whatever. <laughs> Keep talking. Oh, this is great stuff. I do hope it's all right that I'm referring to you by your name, Peter. <laughs> I like to think we're on a first name basis. It's like, okay, what's your name, Murdoch? Yeah. Because it's not Sarah, I don't think. Sarah Murdoch. Maybe it is Sarah. Oh, that would we be great. We got Stacy MacGyver and Sarah Murdoch. Because, because again, showing how Murdoch is MacGyver's opposite. Yeah. Like that he's got a, a this goes by his last name as yeah. well. Um, and they didn't do like a crazy like Wario kind of uh, like it's, yeah. it's not MacGyver. <laughs> Wasn't Murdoch the name of a character on the A-Team? Yeah. It seems weird that that you would take, like, the bad guy from one show and name him after the good guy from another show. Mm. But, whatever. It's not my my call. Well, Dwight Schultz is the guy who played, uh, I think, it's either Mad Dog Murdoch or Mad Man Murdoch. Yeah. Might be Mad Man. I think it's Mad Man. Because then you have the the M's, you have the the alliteration there. Yeah. Um, That's the one who's played by... uh, in the in the movie, did you see the movie? Yeah, the yeah, movie? Shalto, yeah it's the guy from Cold District Cold Nine. <laughs> yeah, I love that guy. He was a great choice for the eighteen movie's not great, but I the I think it's underrated great. though. The casting was perfect. The casting was perfect, and I I think it deserves a, another watch from a lot of people because yeah. everyone was like, oh well, that movie had seven writers, and no wonder it was terrible. And I was like, uh, no, it wasn't terrible. It was pretty cool. Did anyone ever actually watch the eighteen show? 
it did just yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, I, the, like when people were just like, I can't believe they got Rampage Jackson to play the Mr. T part. Like, like the, that guy's never even acted in his life. It's like, yeah, neither has Mr. T. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> did you watch the A Team? And what about uh, Dave, the Dave Bautista for Guardians? Yeah, nobody complained about that because he was fantastic. Yeah, and no acting experience. Like it's he he took acting lessons for his part. Yeah. Um, and now he's in the new James Bond yeah, movie. Gonna be, gonna he's doing well. Yeah, that's good. So back to MacGyver. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you're gonna hear we do a lot of tangents if you're a frequent listener. <laughs> um. So MacGyver's got his like what Pete calls the homemade cruise control ready to go. Yeah. Um. Murdoch is setting up his camera, which he explains is triggered when an explosion goes off, and it's on a motorized tripod mount, so it'll follow the. The explosion action, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he tells his two goons with bazookas to give them five minutes, and then like you know just let them sit there for a while and and consider what's going on. Yeah, I um, it, I feel like it would have made more sense if he had said, uh, "Wait until I'm five minutes away." Like he was trying yeah. to get some distance between him and this explosion. Yeah. But instead, he just says, "Give them five minutes to finish whatever dumb plan they're hatching in the car." Because they're not listening to me. He doesn't even say goodbye. He just kind of, like, he leaves it off at, like, like, oh, yeah, so I'll take extra care with your picture, and mm-hmm. I'm sorry about uh, killing an innocent bystander. Yeah. Anyway, give him five minutes, and then he just gets in his car and leaves. And he doesn't say goodbye, Peter, mm-hmm. or something. Like, you expect some something like that. He does kind of wave his hat a little bit as he's walking yeah. away, but I don't know if that's supposed to be a wave goodbye. Um, but it's typical villain ego you're talking about, like, you know, James Bond, Doctor Evil, where he's like, "I'm gonna put them in a you know easily escapable situation yeah. with overly elaborate." And I'm not gonna death. supervise. <laughs> we could just kill him right now, Dad. <laughs> It'd be like a father-son thing. Just no, Scott, you don't understand. Uh, so they're sitting there, and even the even the guys with the the rocket launchers are like, "Why don't we just kill him now?" <laughs> yeah, uh, Murdoch said five minutes, so we're gonna give him five minutes. <laughs> we're we're paid hourly. Um, <laughs> that's probably why uh, so Mac and Pete get ready to make their dive because the, the cruise control is triggered to that when the door opens the, the door opening is what's going to pull down pulls the gas, the gas pedal. pedal down yeah um, and uh, so, so they just kind of go now and they dive out and the cab only... and in the real world the shoestring breaks yeah and, and then the they blow up the car with bazookas because they're not paying attention to the fact that the guys just dove out of it. Yeah. And also in the real world, the guys who launch the rocket launchers get all that backwash stuck in the van and probably blow themselves out yeah, of the, the van. Yeah, the Jeep, like, the whole van falls over the other way. Um, but what happens in this show <laughs> is that the taxi cab gets enough momentum to go forward as they blow it up that the explosion knocks the two men down in the van. Uh but kudos to them for actually blowing up the the taxi cab enough that it stopped. Yeah. Because they could have, like, if they hadn't hit the engine, then it would have just driven straight into the van yeah, and killed f- both f- of them probably. Yeah, exactly. A flaming, hulking wreck now yeah. is coming at them. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, Pete and Mac kind of, like, rush up to them, and Pete's got his gun drawn. And uh, Mac... McGyver's got his, his duct tape drawn. Mm-hmm. And, he, yeah, so he ties them both up with uh, duct tape. Which again, I I assume that they take the van back, the van. Oh yeah, I guess they must have. Because, uh, you know, MacGyver's explaining to Pete that he owes uh, Jack Dalton a new cab. 
Right. And uh, so they have to go see him at the hospital. I don't know why they have to go see him. Uh, I guess just to notify him. Yeah. Um, but I do like that either Murdoch knew enough to get Jack's information from the, the taxi driver thing that he saw. Because he had enough time to look at it. Cause he, right, yeah, he, yeah. As Sarah says, you know, at the beginning, like, can you take me to this place, Jack? Yeah. And she says, oh, actually, my name's MacGyver. So, but she, she, he had his driver's license number on there. So Murdoch seems like the kind of type that would have a memory for that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so Pete and Mac uh, head over to the hospital and uh, to visit Jack, who's got two broken legs. And somehow they don't discuss any of this before they get to the hospital. So when Pete enters the room, he's like, "Oh, and why is this guy in the hospital?" Like mm-hmm. they would have they would have discussed that I'm sure on the way. Yeah, because again, it's a trip, and they would have had to drop those two guys off somewhere. They're not still tied up in the van on the way to the hospital. Yeah, they just dropped him off at DXS. Yeah. They're just duct taped to the federal building sign out front. Someone will be here on uh, on Monday to let you in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, we see Jack in the hospital, two broken legs, in your classic kind of like suspended from a, those little harnesses kind of thing. Yeah, things. up over the hospital bed. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and full full plaster cast, much like Pete was. In, and he's got a stack of paper airplanes in his lap, mm-hmm. and a, a pilot's cap on, and he's just throwing the planes one at a time. <laughs> and there, there's a lot of really funny lines in this room. But when MacGyver walks in, he's just like, "Hey, what does this look like, Mac?" And he's just like, "A little boy's room." <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> I also like that that Jack is a uh, he's cut some flaps into these. Uh, like ailerons and flaps into yeah, these yeah. paper airplanes so that they'll, they'll ch- kind of alter... Because he's studying flight right yeah. now. This is his flight school. Well, be like, I thought that the implication of that was that he's never flown before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he says, I'm going to put the down payment on the, from the cab on a new pair of wings. I, but, I don't know that he means that he has one. I, th- I think he means he's going to buy a brand new plane. Okay, see, I, I wasn't sure, like, uh, like my, my, my context of it when he said it was, like, going to put it down on a new pair of wings. Like, like... His old pair of wings. That's true. Well, if he was a pilot already and had a license and a plane previously, then it's really unacceptable that it took him seven years to get the, yeah. the company off the, off the ground, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, we, we find out that Jack broke his legs uh, roller skating on the Santa Monica Pier, or roller skating off the pier, yeah. um, while checking out a blonde. But, but apparently he got her number, so yeah. it's not a total loss. But uh, he thinks that Pete's here to buy the cab. Right. He thinks that somehow MacGyver knew that he was going to have this change of heart to sell the cab, mm-hmm. that he read his mind, and uh, and he's like, oh, you brought me a buyer. And he's and then Pete kind of explains, well, look, we don't. Uh, that's not why I'm here. I work for a company that has a lot of different pursuits. We have, <laughs> we have a lot of pursuits, and uh, someone in our temporary employ uh, lost your vehicle. Yeah. Eyeballing and, MacGyver that whole time. Yeah. Uh, because technically, I think Pete would be responsible because he did force MacGyver yeah. to to drive the car. Um, it was not a company car, and uh, and so uh, you know, Jack asks MacGyver or Pete, like, hey, Pete, can I play a little one on one with my uh, pal MacGyver here for a second? And, Pete goes, <laughs> and Pete's oh, yeah, sure. totally ready to leave the room because he <laughs> doesn't want to be a part of this conversation. <laughs> no, uh, why don't I wait outside? What? No, I'll Where, be right outside. Where are you going? You said you'd be here. Nope. <laughs> he just Close. closes the door. <laughs> yeah, and so MacGyver's left to explain uh, that uh, they picked up a man, who, a woman who actually turned out to be a man, and then two guys with bazookas blew up your cab. 
And then he's like, oh, wait, hold on. Sorry, can you say that again? Yeah, well, me and uh, Pete, we were in your cab, and we, we picked up a woman who it turned out. No, 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 I don't want to hear all that. Just the last part. <laughs> just the last part. Uh, it's like, <laughs> Jack is just so like, you, two bazookas blew up my car? Yeah, but I can explain. Two bazookas. <laughs> you, you can explain bazookas? You cannot explain bazookas! <laughs> <laughs> he tries to choke him, even though he can't move his legs. Which I love, because every episode is about Mac trying to choke jack yeah uh, jack really plays the straight man in this episode mm-hmm. it's it's really like them hassling him um and uh yeah so jack in his attempt to strangle macgyver dives out of his bed and just crashes to the floor and even with his legs in a fake cast it looks like a very awkward position because yeah they're still like up on the bed and yeah. he's on the ground and it turns out now he's broken another arm <laughs> so we flash forward a couple minutes to He's back in the bed now with a cast on the arm. Yeah. Uh, well, but um, but Pete and Mac have to go to Jack's apartment. Right. First to get the the paperwork for the. But cab. but we do cut here right to him in the with the arm cast and then yeah, yeah, yeah. MacGyver says, "Oh well, now we broke his arm. They said he's going to be in here for a few more days." And then they say, "Well, you know, we should check out his place." I forget why they even need to go to. Uh, to get because um. Uh, Pete needs like receipts or documentation for the cab in order to reimburse. Oh, okay, so that's what um, they're going there. So I mean, at this point, they've pretty much given up searching for Murdoch, I guess. Yeah. It's like it's like, well, let's get your cab taken care of first. Yeah, it's that's like, that's more pressing matter than yeah, the lunatic like, killing people. Pete needs to be like tracking down leads on where yeah. Murdoch may have gone next. Um, There's no one else that's working at the DXS that can handle this for you. Yeah, exactly. Aren't aren't you like pretty high up on that chain? I guess not. This is seven years ago. Maybe yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like Pete, a desk clerk or something. Yeah, yeah. Because Pete is a field agent now. Yeah. But he becomes like the agent in charge of field operations during the course of the first season. Yeah, yeah. So they get to um, Jack's apartment, sort of. I guess it's an apartment. Yeah, it, it's 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 the office. It's the, it's the same underground apartment that we had in the last episode, but in the last episode, MacGyver is going there for the first time. Mm-hmm. This is seven years earlier, so that he should never have seen this place before. Right. But it, when he comes in this time, he's acting like he's been there a bunch of times and he knows where everything is. Yeah, exactly. Like he he may has have actually actually been staying there during the time that Jack's been in the hospital. It seems like maybe they just forgot that this was seven years ago. And that he was only introduced to this apartment in last week's episode. Mm-hmm. But he just walks in like, oh, yeah, I know this place here. He keeps all the paperwork under the bed. Yeah. And so then he looks under the bed. Doesn't, doesn't see anything suspicious. Yeah. But he pulls out this this box of paperwork. And then he sits down on the bed and it clicks. Which he doesn't even notice. Right, but right. Pete hears and freaks out about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you sit on an old mattress bed and you're going to It's going to click. Click, click, yeah. playing around. But Pete seems to think that that particular click sounds off. Yeah. And uh, MacGyver was all, it's the kind of click that you hear before kaboom. Yeah, which I wish he'd just said boom, because the ka part of kaboom is the click. Yeah. And uh, as we saw in uh, Pirates, you know, like the first click is just a simple hello. Yeah. <laughs> hello, I'm a bomb. The second click I is I am manufactured very... to notify people before I explode them. Just like this one. Right. But also... Um, MacGyver is a bomb expert and Pete's giving him like remedial lessons yeah. and like bomb defusal. And it's like, uh, Pete, I don't know if you know this. I hold the all time bomb defusal record yeah. from Vietnam. Potentially. We, we don't, we don't know if they ever broke it. Yeah. And then Pete's like just, uh, commenting on the, like the magic of like 
the craftsmanship mm. of this bomb where in Deathlock season one episode 14 MacGyver did the same thing and Pete was like it's a bomb like how dare you pretend that it's art this is yeah. a bomb and it's like yeah but this time the target is me this, the target was you both times MacGyver yeah. there's really no excuse for you suddenly being scared of, mm-hmm. of a bomb that you didn't care about before uh, yeah so Pete but thinks- it's also it's a lot like the bombs at the end of Pirates that yeah. blow straight up exactly so so as long as MacGyver can get away from the bed rather than standing straight up, which would put him in the blast zone, yeah. it's a, it's kind of like Lethal Weapon to the, the the toilet scene in Lethal Weapon Two. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or is it? Three? Wow, it it is a lot like that scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but in that scene, they freeze the bomb with nitrogen to slow down the 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 delay of the explosion. Yeah. Giving them time to dive into the bathtub. Um, this one. Blows up immediately as soon as like Pete grabs MacGyver's arm and just pulls him off the bed. Um, no counting either for this one. They just kind of just kind of yanks him. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, the we get a really cool like explosion. And then feathers right the slowly sp- falling down. Yeah, it was. It's kind of a cool effect. Yeah. Um, at least like a perfect cartoon-sized hole. In the yeah, bed. yeah. Uh, and as a uh, Mac and Pete get up to check themselves, Pete's hair is all askew. Yeah. <laughs> Rotated completely in place, and uh, Max, uh, your your thing is uh, <laughs> a little crooked up there. And Max makes this great joke. It's like, I bet that kind of stuff comes in handy, like with uh, disguises and all, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so angry about it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a disguise, MacGyver, <laughs> dick. Uh, and at this point, Pete is asking MacGyver. I guess he's almost recruiting him into the DXS period. Yeah, um, like he's basically hiring him. He was so impressed with the MacGyverism of uh, attaching the door to the the gas pedal that mm-hmm. like that's resume enough to be a DXS yeah. agent, and basically offers him a job as a as a field agent, not like a deputy, but straight up like yeah. you work here now. Um, and he says, "What do you say, partners?" And then. MacGyver takes his hand and says, partners. Yeah. And that's where the title for this episode comes from. Not like Soft Touch. which Where it's a reference to a random soap commercial <laughs> that Terry Hatcher booked mid-episode. <laughs> which doesn't seem to play a part in anything. Yeah. I, but I do love it. Yeah. What do we call this episode? Um, uh, so that, that's where... You know, most of these commercial breaks end at the flashback so that we're forced to kind of come back to reality... At the start of the break. Yeah. Uh, from the break. And uh, so they're still up in the truck driver. Uh, I guess that's for people who tune in during a commercial break to let them know, hey, we were in a flashback episode. Yeah. Now, now so we're, they now come we're... back to the present. They're they're still in the back of the trailer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pete just kind of has like a minor freak out moment. It just starts like, pounding on the door. Yeah. Because uh, I, I guess they're implying that Pete has some kind of borderline claustrophobia or... I mean, everybody does kind of. I think I think after being trapped in a semi truck trailer with someone planning to kill me, I'd probably have like a moment of stress. You know? Yeah. And uh, so we get back into the flashback of now Pete and Mac returning back to the hospital again, this time to tell Jack that his bed exploded. Right. And uh, we yeah we see Jack has a broken arm, and it, it's I guess it's also important that they tell Jack because clearly Murdoch now knows who Jack is. Right. 
And and that's freaking Jack out because Jack's like, well, I'm going to bet right now. What if there's another bomb in here? Yeah. Um, but they're like, be, no, 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 calm down. He has no idea who you are. You're fine. Yeah. Well, he must have some idea who he yeah. is. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's not after you. Yeah, he's after MacGyver. And uh, you can have him. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's like a, a lot of good lines uh, again because uh, Jack's trying again, once again, trying to play up how expensive the cab is. Right, right, right. And uh, Mac is just saying, "Oh, you know, I painted your cab, Jack." And Jack yeah. says, "MacGyver has honesty, like some people has have incurable diseases," <laughs> uh, which is a compliment. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's it's a, it's a passive aggressive compliment. Yeah. Um, at this point, uh, and then I'm, he says, "Yeah, that's why I got DXS to agree to pay for the entire cab, including the fuzzy dice." No, no, you're gonna have to yeah. pay that five dollars yourself. Um, and then uh, it's at this point that a nurse walks in with, uh, "It's like, oh, I've got a pleasant surprise for you, Mr. Dalton, pudding and Jello." <laughs> yeah. And uh, and MacGyver sort of sees the the nurse silhouetted against the window <laughs> and has a flashback to. Sarah in the back of the cab being silhouetted against the light outside and recognizes this is Murdoch and yeah. starts freaking out. Yeah, and he already is making a move to aggressively stop the, the action of Murdoch kind of turning around with a gun in hand. Yeah. Which which is not like a it was kind of like a last resort for Murdoch, really, to, to just straight up use a gun. Well there was no there was no planning in this. It yeah. was like I put a bomb in your house in your bed, that didn't work. So now I'm just going to run up and shoot you. I don't even have a car waiting outside. I yeah. have nothing planned. And this, this, this is where it launches into the Dark Knight, sort oh, of, for me. Yeah. Oh, but that plan is the same BS plan from Skyfall. Right, where, yeah. No, spoiler alert, people, for Skyfall. Bardem is this intricate planner who's got computers controlling everything in the world. and his He plan knows to the kill exact him. schedule for, like, when trains are going to come yeah. through tunnels. And, and his plan to kill M is to run into a courtroom and shoot her. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? This is your plan? <laughs> um, oh, God, I hate Skyfall. Yeah. It's pretty awful. Um, but it's the most uh, well-received critically of right? the James Bond movies in the last, like, three decades, which is totally unacceptable. How, did, how is it more acceptable than Casino Royale? I don't get that. Is it really? Yeah, Even I more think than people like it more than Casino Royale, which is just mind-boggling. I think they just built it up to be really epic, and it kind of fell flat. Mm -hmm. That's our Skyfall review. Well, we'll do more of that when we do our follow-up podcast. <laughs> um, so, now Murdoch, this is where your Dark Knight stuff comes in. Yeah, so Murdoch is now, you know, dressed as a, a female nurse running through a hospital, um, and... Uh, just the mannerisms. I mean, like, it's the same thing Heath Ledger was doing as the character, but it's like trying to maintain the femininity while yeah. you're in the costume, even though you've been outed already. Mm -hmm. And uh, just running around, and then he <laughs> runs out of the hospital, and MacGyver and Peter are still chasing him. He doesn't have a car anywhere that he can get into, so he just starts running down the street. Yeah. He runs across the street, hops a fence into an abandoned building, right next to a police car and the police car starts shouting to him that that's a demolition site and yeah. that he shouldn't go in there. Which, which you think Murdoch would go, Oh yeah, yeah, you're probably right. And you think they would also one have signs on the fence saying, 
you know, staying clear. Yeah, yeah, these, yeah. These things are publicly announced. They they, they take a lot of precautions. Yeah, it's there would just, be more than one cop. Yeah. And he also is in radio communication with the people setting the charges. And right before Murdoch shows up, he says something about like, all right, we're switching to radio silence. And it's like, that's when you that's when you come out of radio silence, when a guy runs past you into the building. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for you to not be in communication with the people setting off the explosives. Yeah, I can't. It's like, oh, I can't violate radio silence. I guess that person's just going to have to. It's a sacred bond. <laughs> I took an oath. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, so just the image of a guy dressed as a nurse running into a building and then the building exploding like it does in the dark night when, yeah, yeah, yeah. when the Joker's coming out of it. Um, just a lot of imagery that w- made me recall the dark night. And, uh, yeah, Pete and Mac kind of arrived just in time to watch the building explode and come down, yeah. which is this pretty good stock footage. I mean, you can tell it's, it doesn't match the, yeah. the film quality, but, um, it's just, a, it's a very interesting shot of a building coming down. Yeah. But, um, because there's like, there's like two or three identical buildings kind of connected to each other and they're just bringing one of them down. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was neat. Yeah. I don't know if we mentioned it before, but at the start of the episode, when we first see McGu- or Murdoch's face, he does have scarring all down the yeah, side of yeah, his yeah. face, which now we're led to believe happened in the collapse of this building, mm-hmm. which Murdoch somehow survived. Yeah. Just his face got injured. Or yeah. at least that's all we see at this point. You want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> that was What I like is that you took the line from Heath Ledger, but you said it more like Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I, at the end, yeah, it switched into Jack Nicholson. Uh, Perhaps you heard of me, Andrew Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, what episode was that one? Uh, that was season one, episode four, The Gauntlet. The Gauntlet, yeah. Um, yeah, so the building comes down, and that's that's immediately the end of the flashback. Like, there's no follow-up of Pete and Mac, like, thinking about, eh, he must be dead. Or... Which, honestly, for the rest of my career as an agent of DXS, I would think of Murdoch as a punchline. Remember that idiot who tried to shoot Jack in the hospital and then ran into a building that exploded? Mm-hmm. What an idiot. Um, Pete has a good moment, though, where uh, he's talking to Mac, and it's like, we should have checked that rubble seven years ago and Maxwell it was checked. And he says, we should have checked it. Which I think is, that line doesn't make any sense. Because when MacGyver says it was checked, he means DXS agents or whoever, some government entity, went there, verified that there were no remains. Like, they didn't find remains and then falsely accuse those remains of having been Murdoch. Yeah, well, I think I think what Pete is trying to say is that that he personally should have gone through the rubble and looked for evidence. But what difference would that have made? Because he knows the, Murdoch. He knows his methods. But it, if his he went there, the, he would have found exactly what they found. Like, it wouldn't have made any difference who was doing the search. Uh, the search concluded that there were there were no human remains in, mm-hmm. this, in the destruct... In the, in the exploded building. Yeah. So. But they still assert that he's dead. Yeah, but he wouldn't have found anything that, that they didn't find. So at this point, uh, Murdoch is now driving off-road. Right. He, he has taken the trailer off-road, and he pulls it out to a small clearing. It could be the same clearing from where they had the bazookas trained on Yeah, it kind of it kind of similar, similar area. Yeah. Um, he unhitches uh, the trailer. and uh, Which MacGyver can hear from inside and mm-hmm. identifies what's going on. And he, he starts rigging the trailer with dynamite with, like, wires going from each bundle. But he's talking on them to the ra- through the radio at the same time, like, right underneath the wires. Yeah. It's like, oh, God. I mean, 
you know how radio waves work, right? You know that they charge electric lines that they pass through, and that's why you don't you're not on the radio, and you don't people don't use radios when they're. That's why when bombs. you're going to blow something up, you order a radio silence. Yeah, um, because that stuff blows up, <laughs> uh, and so I thought that that was kind of a a very non Murdoch thing to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, so inside now, we're we're finally getting a timer of a countdown yeah, that seven Murdoch minutes, has set up. Seven minutes to hell. <laughs> right. Or L seconds if he has it upside down. Um, and uh, MacGyver uh, pulls the battery out of the car mm-hmm. and sets it down. Uh, yeah, we, we he sets the timer for seven seconds, but then we go to commercials and come back in, there, so there's four minutes left. Yeah, four minutes. Uh, like the four-minute commercial break. I was just saying, this episode goes in real time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's very 24. And then MacGyver pulls the battery out of the car, sets it down, and starts to put together the next MacGyverism. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, I can only really two big MacGyverisms in this one. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even quite sure this whole of the whole situation, but his plan is to heat the car battery to the point of explosion. Right. Um, uh, and it's pressed hard up against the doors. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's got the car battery out there, and uh, he uses the muffler in a very similar manner that he used in Three for the Road. Right. But he fills it with the iron, dust, and aluminum from uh, some can that he uh, I don't, did he get the aluminum from the oil can because they had an oil can that Pete I think was it soaking. was an aluminum can yeah yeah because he was he Pete was soaking the pantyhose in oil and I think he was also using the the aluminum in the can I, I don't know what the reaction is supposed to be though. well isn't that isn't aluminum what you should replace magnesium with to make the actual thermite, the thermite? so I think it was a thermite trigger mm-hmm that but was supposed to set it the off. Pantyhose would not be hot enough. Yeah. To, to get that, to get I don't that know, going. are pretty hot. What? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Not Pete, but not Pete's size. No, not in Pete's size. Um, but it works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Murdoch has got his camera set up, and he's sitting far away, and the timer's counting down with like about like ten seconds left, and that's when we see just the back of the truck explode in yeah. a, in, a, in a safe way. To, to open the doors, not enough to set off the Which, it, it is a safe way, but for some reason, MacGyver and Pete are not hiding on the same side of the cab. Like, I would expect, okay, an explosion's going to happen on this side of the room. We should both be on the opposite side of the taxi. But we see right before the explosion that they're on opposite sides of the taxi. Yeah, they're, they're, they're standing uh, within the blast radius. Yeah, they should just be behind the taxi right. cab. And, and Matt gives like, Pete a little wave. And, and MacGyver's, yeah, and he's Pete, just like, uh, I guess I'll wave back. Yeah, he <laughs> seems like, like, why are you waving? Is this us saying goodbye to each other? <laughs> um, but yeah, so the door opens and, and Mac and Pete just start running out as fast as they can because they don't know what's out here. They could have guns trained on them. They yeah, could be yeah, in a yeah. warehouse. Um, and, uh, but there's still too much time on the timer. Yeah, there's like 12 seconds left when they yeah, get out. Yeah, and so they have, they have to keep doing this camera zoom in on the timer and to make the it seem more interesting and scary yeah but it's like well they're they're already safe you should have been doing this as they were escaping yeah not not at this time because uh because now murdoch you know watches the truck blow up which is cool it's yeah. a really cool explosion and he's got the the truck from that was that was lugging the trailer mm-hmm. and uh he still has like a couple of 20 more sticks of dynamite in the car for some reason and the, so he just lights one and just starts driving at them with a lit dynamite. I don't know what his plan was. 
To just throw it directly at them, I guess. Yeah, but just run away from it. Yeah, and then MacGyver's plan, in turn, is to just pick up rocks and throw them at the truck like that's going to slow it down at all. Uh, This this was a very, like, last-minute effort, I think, for both MacGyver and Murdoch. But somehow that ends up working because one of the rocks destroys the windshield and then, like, trying to block broken glass from hitting himself in the face murdoch mm-hmm. swings his arm around and drops the bundle of dynamite on the floor of the cab with the other dynamite yeah and so uh you know mac yells to pete he had a thing of dynamite you know get it out of the way and so they dive to the ground and we get a split second image of the, the driver's s- side door opens yeah and uh and there's still like a, a second to a half a second of time before the dynamite blows up the, the cab right and once again, Pete is convinced. No, he's dead. He's dead. We'll let some DXS agent check the yeah. rubble. I don't have time to check it. Yeah, it's like But a, Pete, didn't you just say we should have checked that building ourselves last time? Oh, he's dead. He's Come dead. on, he's dead. In seven years, we'll be laughing about this. <laughs> um, and then uh, and MacGyver, though, like, like ourselves, is mm-hmm. not as convinced. Um, and then we get a freeze frame of them just, like, staring at the explosion. Yeah, because the camera that Murdoch set up is, like, taking rapid-fire photos right. of the whole thing. So they should have pictures of him escaping. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, I'd be checking those photos, and I think that would be such a great button for later. For the next Murdoch episode? Yeah. Like, like, oh, like, you know, we just got those pictures developed. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we just went out there. We haven't been there the yeah. whole time. We also have the previous set of pictures developed in case uh, Jack needed them for insurance purposes. Mm-hmm. From when we bazooka his taxi, um, but yeah, and then we come back from the next commercial break, and we're back at the junkyard. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know why they would bother to go back there. Well, that's where Mac's car is, and I, I don't guess. know how they got back there. I guess that's where Mac and Pete's cars are. Yeah, mm. that that's true. They're in the middle of nowhere with a blown up truck. Yeah, I mean, I guess they weren't f- too far from the road. Yeah. But then it doesn't explain why they're walking to the junkyard. Yeah. Um. But, and why isn't Pete getting into his car? Why is Pete getting into Mac's Jeep? That's true. They both drove out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so as they're getting ready to leave, then suddenly Jack Dalton shows up on a motorcycle. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, sorry, I'm late, guys. Yeah, uh, he, Jack says that, it's like, yeah, you couldn't expect me to get up so early on a Sunday, even though earlier in the episode, MacGyver indicated that it was Saturday. Yeah, it was a lazy Saturday. And then... So I, I'm surprised that Jack even showed up on the right day because yeah. apparently he doesn't even know what day of the week it is. But he so brought we, his part of the of the the ingredients for this whole prank that Murdoch mm-hmm. played, which was like lilies for like the funeral yeah. of the three characters. But now it's funny because he throws the lilies to Jack and to Pete, and it's kind of like it's a funeral for Murdoch. Yeah. <laughs> Jack doesn't even know that he brought the flowers for. Well, and, and he only bought them flowers. Yeah, he like, doesn't have three. Like, he only yeah. has two. Um, and, uh, you know, he, Jack's all like, kind of feeling bad, like, oh man, is everything over? He says, yeah, 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 you kind of missed it. Yeah, you missed the party. We hang out, we hung out with an old friend. And he's like, oh, I, I'd love to hear about all of that. Why don't we stop for a picture first, though? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he sets up his, like, his, like cra- crazy timer. There's, like, yeah. two flashes on this camera, too, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah, it's kind of a flashback to the end of the gauntlet, like we talked about before, where they set up a camera to just mm-hmm. take the last picture of the episode. Yeah. But at least the camera wasn't in the picture yeah. this time. <laughs> last time when they do the freeze frame, you can literally see the camera in the picture it's supposedly taking. But this time they're just very clearly looking the wrong direction if yeah. this camera is taking a yeah, picture. The, the, camera, the camera's not in the right spot. Yeah. I knew there was Murdoch's camera too for the freeze frame that we get. Because Murdoch's camera is way up on a hill 
and it the, when the freeze frame happens, it's like way down low with the yeah, explosions. Yeah. Um, no attention to detail, I tell you. Come on. Um, and uh, that, yeah, that's the button for the episode. Is just kind of like they're all, but they're smiling. Yeah. Like it, it's not one of those moments like because Jack's, the last moment right before the picture gets taken, um, uh, Dalton says like. Hey, remember when we all met seven years ago? And yeah. That maniac Murdoch trying to kill us all, dead and buried. Dirty. Seven years now. <laughs> I love and then the they're way all like he... laughing, like ah, that crazy maniac died. Because yeah. that's really how you would talk about Murdoch if yeah. you were them. Yeah, dead and buried. Yeah, because literally buried. Yeah, buried by under a that rock. building in downtown. Um, but and I just love I love that it's not one of those endings where it's kind of like Pete and Matt kind of give like a solemn look, like ugh, like yeah. like this has been a rough day. They're it's, smiling like. Yeah, we got him. There, and you can't frown around Jack though; it just Jack doesn't is work. The best. Jack, Jack makes everything more exciting. This is a great episode. Yeah, Murdoch, I am just so freaking excited. We get seven more episodes of him. Yeah, I don't know how many of those are clip shows, but yeah, that's true. Uh, um, but and occasionally they will. He will be on MacGyver's team. Yeah, yeah, oh um, yeah. There, there's, there, there's a very. But I don't want to get it into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should save to... save it for when but... we get there. But Murdoch is such a fantastic character. Yeah. He really is a melding of Piedra and Quail in the mm-hmm. best way. And uh, he he is our John Bly to MacGyver's Briscoe County. Right. Yes. For all the none of you who watched that show, <laughs> watch Briscoe County. It's not on any streaming service. Yeah. <laughs> but... Just order the DVD. There's only one season of the show. Yeah. It's worth it. It is yeah. worth it. All the synopsis synopses in the DVD set are written by Bruce Campbell. And then you'll probably have a head start when we get to our Briscoe County Junior podcast yeah. after, after the James Bond one, or concordantly, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. But this is fantastic. It's got all the best people in this episode, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, classic hijinks in the hospital yeah. with with Jack and and Mac and Pete arguing with each other, and. Uh, I still love Jack's apartment. I feel like yeah. if I could live in any of the places that any of these people live, I would pick Jack's place over the Griffith Observatory. Yeah, even. I mean, one, you know, I bet it's I bet it stays cool down there all the time. Yeah, and like, you can you know watch movies and stuff and turn it up all the way. You're mm-hmm. in an industrial district. You don't have to worry about neighbors complaining about the noise. Exactly. And um, you got a private elevator. Yeah. You know, the only thing you have to worry about is like injuring people when you come out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But again, those elevators are supposed to have noise, make noise when they're triggered. So you'd really only hurt that the woman from Silent World. Yeah. <laughs> but that's her fault. Why does she work in this building? <laughs> uh, yeah. She's just panhandling right there on the sidewalk every Aww. day. I think that about wraps up Season 2, Episode 18, Partners. Um, if you have any thoughts on this or future episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast. And our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 2, Episode 19, Bushmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, which is another episode. Yeah. I like it. I like it. It's okay. It's it's it, it's hard because we just watched Partners. Mm-hmm. But it is an okay episode. Yeah. And it's got, you know, it's got uh, Charlie Sheen's sister. Uh-huh. And, uh, and... Some other yeah, great people in there. People. So, stay tuned for that. It's going to be a, a bundle of laughs. Laughs. laughs.